You know, I uh, love um, graduation season. Some of you may uh, make you nauseous, uh, I don't know. But I went to one yesterday. And uh, it's always the graduation season, you know, that we talk about purpose, meaning in life. You know, and it's, I would think that's got to be one of the hardest, probably harder than even preaching at a wedding, is speaking at a graduation um, service. But I, I love it when it points me to purpose because I know for me and for you that God has a plan for you. He, he has a, a purpose for each one of us and for us together. A perfect plan. Uh, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesians tells us that God has a plan for anyone who is called to Jesus to do good works that he's planned in advance for you to do and for us to do. He has a plan for us, a purpose for us this day. And as we just heard from Karen, a purpose she didn't know she had that day when she awoke, but one in concert, in relationship with God that she fulfilled. God has a plan for you, for me, for us to do His works of truth, righteousness, justice, forgiveness, and grace. Now, for those of you who are here today, you're just sort of checking out Jesus. You know, you're just sort of checking out the church. And you're wondering, what does it mean to be a Christian? Uh, this is one of the most important things to me as to why I want you to be a Christian. Well, I want you to give your life to Jesus so that you can plug into the perfect plan that God has for you to do, that gives you purpose so that you don't wander around aimlessly, but connect with your Creator for the purpose, the plan, for the the good works, the way He wants you to be an instrument of His grace, of His love, of His righteousness, His justice, the way He wants you to have influence for good in the world around you. Now, for those of you who are here who are followers of Jesus, want to remind you of that. That, that, that maybe you've, you've connected with that, and maybe you're, you're walking with God perfectly in the plan that God has for you, the good works that He has for you, the way He has created you to be an instrument of His character in this world. But as been one of the themes through this series, if you think God's plan and purpose is to make you happy, you're wrong. Dead wrong. God has a much greater purpose for you than just to be happy. He has a, a purpose of meaning, a purpose of fulfillment, a purpose of the depth of satisfaction for the very creation of your life. And if you aren't in touch with that, then let's then walk with me into these passages. And let's consider just how God has created you for just this time, for just this place, to be an instrument of His character in this world. Passages, two passages that I want to look at today together. One is in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. It's found on page 620 in your pew Bible. Um, not sure what page it is if you brought your own Bible. Um, but it's Jeremiah, one of the prophets of the Old Testament, chapter 9, 620 in the pew Bible. And then we'll turn to Matthew 5, verse 13 and 16 
which is found on page 786 in your Bible. Let's uh, pray together. Gracious God, thank you that you um, have, have created us for a purpose, that, that you uh, desire us to be your, your instruments uh, for good of, of your character. And so we, we give ourselves to you. We, we submit ourselves to you. For we want to continue to be in line with that, that purpose, individually and as a community of faith. Speak to us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, uh, Jeremiah 9, verse 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, Do not let the wise boast in their wisdom. Do not let the mighty boast in their might. Do not let the wealthy boast in their wealth. But let those who boast, boast in this, that they understand and know me. That I am the Lord. I act with steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. That's got to be one of my favorite passages of the whole of Scripture. Yeah, I'm sort of like a teenager. I'll admit that in terms of favorite song. You know, I mean, everyone that comes on is the favorite song. But, but this one just connects in powerful ways. You know, that, that it, it just says all the things that the world values, don't boast in those, but boast in knowing and understanding me and understanding God's character. And then it gives three grand slam words to describe God's character. It's his steadfast love, his righteousness, and his justice. I mean, each of those could be a series of sermons. But his love is that he gives himself for our benefit, even when we don't deserve it, and to his own pain. His, his righteousness is that everything he does is right, and his justice is that everything that he does is fair. And he works to accomplish that in the earth. Did you get that? It's not just his character. It's not just that he's like a, a piece of art that we admire, but he is one who is acting in the earth according to his steadfast love, according to his justice, according to his righteousness. And we are instruments of that character. As we talked last week, it is the spirit of that God who is characterized by love, justice, and righteousness who fills us and who now makes us instruments of that love, righteousness, and justice. As Mother Teresa used to say, I'm simply a pencil in the hand of God. Those are the plans and purposes that God has for us. I turn to Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16. Again, hear, hear the word of the Lord. It's 786 in your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but it's thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is all part of God's plan. You are, we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We are the instruments that God has chosen to demonstrate His character in the midst of our community, in our homes, in our workplace, where we worship, work, and play. You're it. We're it. Don't look over your shoulder or look somewhere else or talk about, well, if the church did this or the church did that. Friends, we are the church. We are those instruments of God. And He's prepared and planned those good works. As I was talking with a a friend um, of of mine uh, this, this week and we were just talking about this, he said, you know, it's sort of like the picture here is like a prism. You know, that that it's the light of God coming down from above and then through the the church, that light breaks into its component parts and in different colors, in different ways, shines around. You know, some of us are are in in places of justice, some of us in places of grace, some of us in in places of righteousness, where, where God has equipped us or placed us in the place where that need is before us. And we get to be His instruments. The very purpose for our heart beating in that moment. To do good works that He's planned for us to do that bring God glory and influence the world around us. You know, this last week, we saw that in a particular way uh, through the disaster of the tornadoes in, in Oklahoma. And, and we saw through different agencies and ministries, you know, uh, some that are connected to us, the Presbyterian Disaster Assistance was, was there on the ground, you know, the day after. Matthew 25 Ministries here in Cincinnati was there on the ground with, with resources and needs to help folks in the midst of that tragedy to be there to be instruments of God in that place, in that time. It's Memorial Day weekend, one in which we honor those who have been instruments of God's justice and righteousness. We honor those who put themselves in harm's way for the benefit of others. Whether it's through the armed forces, whether it's through police, whether it's through firefighters, and I, I take it a step further for, for those, especially those, the, the top of the ladder in my mind are those who then put themselves in harm's way in other parts of the world to carry the good news of Jesus. Even at the peril of death. We honor those who put themselves in harm's way in order to be instruments, whether they know it or not. Of God's righteousness, justice, God's love. So each of us have different places, different roles that God has for us to be an influence in our world according to the character of God. We are, if you hear nothing more, we are the hands, the feet, the mouth of God in this world. 
That's why he has called us to himself. It was not just to save us from his wrath. It was to save us from his wrath and prepare us for his goodness. To be arms, hands, feet, mouths of his plan in our world. Salt and light in the earth. This week, I missed an opportunity for that. It's a time of my own uh, confession. It was uh, middle of last week uh, that I heard of a, a gathering of some people that were of influence in, in our city. And when I heard of that, uh, a word came to me to say, you know, this is a time and place to share th- this word uh, with them of, of, of a need that I have experienced and seen and felt that in our city we're missing. And the, the time for that meeting came, and I was tired. I had other things that seemed more urgent on my agenda. And then I started talking to myself, oh, you know, that's just a waste of time. It's largely a bunch of politicians. I'm just going to make a fool of myself, and the, I'm just going to be talking to the wall. So what a waste. Don't do it. The next morning. And yeah, I still sort of felt a little bit of a tinge of, you know, well, maybe I should, but I didn't. The next morning, the first thought, I find sleeping is a good time to hear the word of the Lord because usually my voice is silenced. Yeah, and so the first thought that came to my mind, the first sentence was this sentence of the prayer that we focus on Days. We've been walking through this prayer together. God, make me an instrument. That was the first word that morning, and I said, okay. I blew it. You're right. I blew it. And I wondered why I blew it. And the main reason for me that I blew it at that time was because I forgot it was God behind it and not me. I was more interested, well, is it going to be strategic? Is it going to be influential? Is it a waste of my time? And who's going to listen to me? And really, this is more about me just speaking a word, listening to myself talk than it is anything else. And that morning, God said, no, it's not. You forgot I was the one behind it. It's not your job to recognize whether it influences or not or whether it makes you a fool or not. It's your job to be my instruments of my character. God in His grace, and, well, I'm still here, so God's gracious and merciful, huh? And also, it said, well, and here's the way now that you need to make that voice known. You know, I wonder what are some of the other reasons that we, we don't act as instruments of God's righteousness and justice, of His grace, His truth, and His forgiveness? I think another one is because of fear. You know, we're, we're scared of the repercussions. I always wonder in the public arena when word comes forth of a group of people who are acting in a way that is wrong. I always wonder when that happens, where were the followers of Jesus in that group? Where were they? Were there none? Could be. I wonder about that for what's been in the news in the last couple of weeks, the IRS office in Cincinnati. 
You know, if you've been hearing about that, you know, there was work done in the IRS office where they targeted particular groups of people and to, to, to make it harder for them to get tax-exempt status. Folks on both sides of the aisle have decried it as an error. Where were the followers of Jesus in that office? To stand up and say, hey, this is wrong. We're not going to do this. I'm not going to do it. Do you know in the 1970s, same thing happened? That the Nixon administration went to the IRS with a list of people. I want you to investigate these people. Never really heard about that very much. And it was... uh, Johnny Mac Waters, who was leading the IRS in those days, and he took that list and put it in his drawer, called some of his, uh, um, of his immediate supervisors and said, I don't want to do this. He never opened the list, and he gave it to them, and it never happened. That doesn't make the headlines. So the, so the flip side is, I wonder how many Jesus followers have stood up in their community, in their place of work, for justice and righteousness and stopped what was evil. And we just never know. And we won't know until we're before our Lord and Savior. And he then announces the the, the beautiful work of his people who are instruments of grace, righteousness, justice, forgiveness, and truth. I do believe that every one of us has the opportunity to let at least one spectrum, one part of the spectrum of light shine through us. And it's forgiveness. We're instruments of forgiveness. And if, if you're in a family, if you have parents, you have siblings, you have a spouse, you, you work, you have co-workers, you live somewhere near other people, you, you have neighbors, if you sit within five feet of someone... You're going to be in the place where you are wronged, where you are hurt. And you have the opportunity of being an instrument of God's forgiveness where you can stop in His grace the pattern of wronging one another and hurting one another. And stop it with you and act in forgiveness towards those who have hurt you. And who knows what what good you will create and what evil you'll stop because you're an instrument of God's forgiveness. And the same is true for us individually, for us as a church. I mean, I think this is a crucial line of the prayer for us as a church, as a community of Jesus followers. How, God, do you want us to be a redemptive presence, a force for good, as a gathering of your followers, as a people that are seeking to embody your character? We've talked a lot in the last several weeks about a variety of ways that we do that. But one, this way in general area that's really coming to the fore for us is with children. 
We've talked a lot in the last several weeks about adoption and foster care. And you'll be hearing more about that in the fall as as families in the church continue to explore. God, are you calling me to, to adopt, to be a part of the foster care system? We, we also, through WizKids, uh, through Treehouse, through Kids Impact, we, we connect with, with children in our community, particularly children that are having challenges reading, writing, adding and subtracting. You know, you just don't know what kind of influence you're having if you come alongside a child who doesn't know how to read and you get them on grade level. I'm going to quote Terrell, uh, um, Dr. Owens, who's down at uh, Cincinnati State. Used to be the coroner of our, our county. He's now the president. And what he, he said last time I heard him was that prisons, prisons have to gauge. they got to build prisons for the number of prisoners. And, and so they, you know, they do 10, 15-year planning. You know, one of the elements that they use, one of the, the p- bits of information that they use in order to know how many prisons, how many prison beds do we need to have in 10, 15 years? Fourth grade reading level. There, there's correlation between fourth grade reading level and the number of people that will be in prison in 10 to 15 years. So as we as a church are instruments of God's righteousness and justice simply by teaching a child to read so that they're on reading level in fourth grade. Yeah, you, you will never know. Well, we'll never know what kind of evil was stopped because simply we as a church say we're going to pour ourselves into the children of our city so that they know how to read at fourth grade. Individually and as a church, as you pray this prayer, For us as a church, be be praying, yes, God, we want to have the maximum influence for your glory, for what is good and right, what is just, what is beautiful. That's what we want. Pray, as we pray that prayer, stop and lift us up. And individually, as you pray this week, as you pray our um, uh, prayer covenant, Stop at this sentence and simply ask God, how? I dare you. He's gracious. You can blow it. And God's gracious. He'll bring you around. You might even be slow to listen, but God is gracious. He'll keep talking. But stop and ask the question and then listen. God, make me an instrument of your righteousness of your justice, of your forgiveness, of your truth, of your grace, and then stop and ask how. What a purpose. What a plan. What what meaning, what eternal significance that we are privileged to have to be instruments of God's character in our world. Amen.